0: All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name.
1: Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays in the barn. But not today. Today we're going to let it all out for you. You know, every episode of Barn Talk is special because it's unique and we never quite sure what's going to happen. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But today is a special episode for me because we have one of the pioneers of the pork industry and he he really is one of the reasons that we're still raising hogs in Southeast Iowa and he is one of the reasons that Southeast Iowa is as economically viable in the ag, uh, ag world as it is. He's a pioneer. Um, I could probably go on and give you a whole list of his accolades and accomplishments. Um, he's built a business from scratch, and I think probably today, if you asked him, and we will ask him, uh what his greatest accomplishment is i think it's the fact that he has built a family business from scratch and he it is viable for the next generation so we are thrilled to have him
2: but first pay the fee guys if you get any value from the show you know what to do share it out with your friends family coworkers, employees whoever Uh, The more you guys share the show, the better content we can create, the better guests we can have on, the more episodes we can put out for you. So thank you to all that pay the fee. Continue to do that. You can also leave a review on Spotify or Apple. That helps us out tremendously. We're almost up to 500 five-star reviews on Spotify, and we're at about 194 on Apple. So keep sending those our way. We love hearing from you guys. Um, And a new feature, I mentioned this in our last podcast, but a new feature Spotify has just started rolling out. Is every episode we can ask you guys a question on the Spotify platform for you to give your thoughts on the episode. So be looking out for that if you're listening or watching on Spotify because you can you can let us know what you think. So let us know what you think. Uh, and without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Well
1: we're we're live. So Rob Brennan, welcome to Barn Talk.
2: Hey, thanks for the invitation.
0: This is uh this is a terrific day. I've it been it, looking forward to this.
1: Us too. <laughs> we we've been trying to make this work for i don't know well you were on the list when we started yep yeah just because um you really have a unique story and it's definitely worth telling and it's not just it's not just within the hog industry it's it's anybody that you know has a has a business and tries to grow it and tries to get family involved and tries to better their community it's it's a you're a legend. Yeah. You're a legend in our
0: book. So <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Sure.
0: I know the bullshit's getting deep already.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we're and up high. And imagine well, I learned you're from somebody.
0: It. to learn from this one. Come on. <laughs> now, yeah, you've had a good teacher. Yeah, that's right. I'll admit that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, just give us a little bit of a rundown of kind of what Brenham and Pork does, what you guys are about, and uh, then we'll get into the history a little bit, uh, a little bit further from this. But just tell them what you do right now and what what Brennan Pork's about.
0: Okay. There's days I wonder what we do, (laughs) but, um, so we, you know, we're, we're a pig company. That's what it amounts to. We raise pigs and, um, that's, that's what we built our business on. I thought I could farm when I started in the late seventies, but that just became an expensive habit. So, so we raise pigs and, um, we're located in Washington County, of course, not too far from here. Uh, we got 43,000 sows, raise about 1.3 to 1.4 million pigs a year. And um, they're all, our feed mill is 10 miles from here. And 90% of those pigs were within 20 miles of that. We have um, four, sow, five sow farms, actually six sow farms and two are in Missouri, one's in Mexico and one's in Paris. So everybody's, Makes you wonder, you know, you're you're a foreign company, and then, um, then we have two on the home farm. We got two separate sites. We just built a new one. We have one over in Moscow. <laughs> so we're we're world yeah, travelers. World. Yeah, we're world travelers. And then we um, then we've got one over in Illinois. So um, so we you know it keeps everybody busy. But the majority of the finishing is right in the right in your neck of the woods. Yep. And we like to stay that that has its. Good things and bad things. Right. Yep. Right. Washington County is number one in Iowa and um, three overall in the nation. And so there's a lot of different pigs in this county.
1: Yes, there is. Well, let's go back a little bit. Okay.
0: Because... Do we have to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Growing up, is this what you always knew you wanted to do or were you... How did you get started?
0: I, I've never had a doubt in my mind that this is what I want to do, and I'll, I've, I'll do this till I die. And when I was three, four, five years old, you know, the, the thing that maybe doesn't exist today existed then. You know, you took Grandpa and Dad's hand and, and you went out with them every day, yep. and you learned what to do and how to do it, and you picked up the good things and the bad things as then as you, then as you mature, matured through life then you tried to make the bad things good things. So, I mean, dad would, you know, take care of a baby pig and I'd take the pig and and when nobody was looking, I'd go grab it and I'd give it mouth to mouth and bring it back to life and hold it up and yep. say, I, I can make, I can raise that pig, get get out of the way, you know, and nobody would ever know what happened. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Yep. But that's um, raising pigs. You know, I, I thought I could... In the 70s, everybody was renting ground, buying ground, and raising corn and all that good stuff. And I thought, wow, that that's kind of a, seemed like it might be a little bit easier way of life and yep. a better way to do things. And yep. so, but um, that didn't work. Yep. And so in the early 80s were a very, very difficult time for Robin Shire
1: Brenneman. Yeah.
0: Very difficult.
1: It was. Well, ag in general. I mean, it was a tough time. It was a tough time to get started. It was a tough time to keep going. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people got caught because there's some similarities to what we got going today or what we've had going in the fact that we all seem to have pretty short memories of the bad times. And when it gets good, I always, and I can't say that I take credit for this because I'm sure I read it or heard it from somebody, but they always said that if you're ever reading a, a farm publication and the commentary gets to be where the majority of people writing that stuff says, whatever market you're talking about, we've reached a new plateau. That means you better get nervous because we're about to we're about to drop off into the into the bottom. And you know, we went through a time there in the 70s where it looked like the sky was the limit and land values are going to keep going up and profitability was going to stay good and we didn't have that. It changed. Yep. And you've seen a lot of change in your time. When you guys started, you were fairing your own pigs and you were, you were finishing your own pigs. Yep. And when did, when did contract finishing as far as yep. letting somebody else finish the pigs? Like when did that start for you guys.
0: Okay. Let me go back to like from yeah. Some de- <clears throat> beginning, because, you know, you, you talked about the seventies. So, so I graduated in 76 from high school. I had uh, $46,000 in the bank, brand new pickup, a brand new tractor and 120 sows and owed nobody a dime, yep. not owed anybody a dime. So life was good. So you thought, you know, I'm going to go out and buy $3,000 ground and, and I'm going to, you know, do the stuff that other guys and other, other operations did. And, and growing up, I always had, you know, I hung with dad and he had some, he thought they were friends. I, I debated that, you know, because they would always look at you and say, you're never going to amount to anything. Your dad ain't got nothing. And so your future is pretty dim in this industry. Yep. And I said, just please keep telling me that yep. because everybody, every time somebody says I can't, I will. Yep. And I still take that challenge on today. And when I was freshman in high school, Dwayne Sprouse was my ag teacher. He was, he was a freshman yep. ag teacher and we were freshmen. And, and the first day of school, he said, where there's a will, there's a way. And, and I, and I got to admit that that was most inspiring thing that I had ever heard in my lifetime. I was young and, and Dwayne implemented that. And he, and he built you up and, and, so my, I, you know, Dwayne Sprouse was huge in my life. And, and of course my wife, Char was the most important thing that ever happened to me. And so, so you go back and you, you know, we started, you know, we went to pork college at uh, Hills bank had pork college and that was in, uh, early eighties. And, um, the thing was that how take your money, you know, we were raising pigs. It was about pigs, um, Take your money and invest it in assets that'll return production and capital, you know, return faster. And so, so majority of the industry started out, well, let's, let's have sows. Yep. That was, that was the right pace. And cause that was where production started yep. and then, okay. And finishing took more capital. Yep, and um, so the thing was, everybody was coming out of the '80s, and nobody really had capital. I mean, nobody had. Right. If you were you were you were alone, and you were you were amazing, um, but the guys didn't have capital. But grain farmers had some capital. Mm-hmm. You know, they they needed some depreciation, and um, and pig farmers needed to make pigs. And so that's when it kind of separated to say, you know, you're a pig farmer. You're a pig farmer because you're going to have sows. So you had sows and you had somebody else come along and start building buildings. And that started in about 96 or seven. We started contact contract production in in 97. Okay. Uh, And that was kind of go right ahead of 98. You know, that's go back to pork college, add sows, make pigs. Right. Um, So that's what we did as an industry. And, A lot of guys in this community did that. We were really good at it. And then along comes 1998 right after contract production starts. So then we have to venture out for capital because we just lost a lot of capital in that, in that adventure. And so, um, and also in 98 for us getting started, we did some hedging, which was mind boggling why we did. And that actually got us through 98. And, um, the risk management side, I don't have any idea why we did it. It just looked like that um, we could lock in some money, and there was a lot of people adding pigs because a lot of contract barns were going up, and people were getting into that. So I'd say 97, 98, 99 kind of started that, but it really took off in the early 2000s.
2: Yeah, uh, I have a few questions just yep. about your story. It was, that was great, but how did you have the brand-new pickup pickup? And the forty thousand dollars right out of high school. Were you working? Did your family have a farm and you were working on it? Yeah. Tell me a little so, bit about so that. So
0: our we had we had a farm, but um, but I had I did my own thing. Cause all through high school, there yeah, this is that's good. I'm glad you brought that. So all through high school, um, well, my mom left when we were I was fourteen. So I waited tables at the Willows and I was a bus boy, and I had a paper out in town, and my brothers had a Paper out with me, and we would clean the restaurant, <clears throat> the Central Cafe, in the Golden Buckle in Keota, Iowa. We would clean the restaurant on Saturdays and Sundays, so we could have, so we could get our breakfast. So we would deliver papers. We'd go to town deliver papers at four o'clock in the morning, then eat breakfast at the Central Cafe because we had nobody to cook for us. And so, so as we as we built that up, and then so we just kept. I just kept building you know,
2: working, Hassan, Hassan. I
0: worked for people. I made hay. Um, but I had sows I'd have, I had a sheds on a three corner piece that nobody had, nobody was farming. So we put a few a sheds there and then we'd have an old barn, um, at beans, Bermel's place that nobody used and he let me use it. So we'd put some pigs in there and just kept adding a few pigs here and a few pigs there. And then we'd sell the pigs and, and there was, um, Dad was good because he let me do it. He didn't really help me a lot, but he let me do it, which is, back then, uh, not every parent would let your let yep. your kids go out and do what they damn well please. But my dad did that, and I that, I respect him for that. And um, so I just kept doing the things it took to make money. But the money was made from the pigs, and I mean, I'd do anything, whatever it took to eat and survive. And um, and I worked for Dave Vittoto over Vittoto yep. Slats in Kyoto. Um, I'd go in in the nights and help weld, and he would weld all day. And then I'd I'd paint Steve Sheets, and I would paint the things and hang them up. And and then um, he took good care of us, and he he gave us a future. And so all that stuff just kind of built on itself. And um, just reinvesting all that money into yep, the pigs. So I just kept putting that money into pigs. Mm-hmm. And and I had what started with. Well, dad gave me nine pigs when I was about 10 years old, nine years old or whatever. There was nine pigs that he didn't think would make it. He bought them from old hottie durian over, you know, pig, pig, um, broker. And so he said, take these scrubs. You can have them. And and I got them. I put them in a 10 by 20 and put a fence around it and, and made them live. And then, um, about two weeks before I sold them, they got out and ate some, um, a couple of made some, blueberry or wild parsnip yeah and died and i'm like wow that didn't work out very well but i still had five or six and a couple of them were gilts so i took the gilts and got some got dad's born bred them and and then just kept putting a few salads but a sheds uh, if i ever see another a shed it'd be a terrible day <laughs> but i had a sheds everywhere yep. so i mean i probably had 200 a sheds scattered around yep. um scattered around the county and you know 10 here 10 there and you know, just chore all night long, and and that's that's all they did, and kept the money and put it in the bank.
1: But that's you know. a great story, and what's so interesting about your your story, but a lot of guys that are are in the hog business today could tell a version of that yep. of how they started. But what's interesting about it is there's a lot of people that started that way. Yep. But that you were brought up by the generation, and my dad was the same way, where we weren't necessarily, I don't want to say that we weren't book smart. That's not the right. But the idea was that if you could outwork everybody else, or if you just worked all the time, you were going to be okay. But what is unique about your story is, that that time in the '90s, going into the 2000s, just working hard didn't get you through. Yeah, that's where the industry started to change, and you had to learn a whole. You had to get a whole new tool set, basically, yep. because the idea that you could just work hard with these pigs wasn't enough because right. there were forces outside your control that it really didn't matter. If you, didn't have, if you didn't have the business side of it, you could lose a lot of money in a hurry, and a lot of people did.
0: So, 1980, Char and I got married. And uh, she had no idea which direction we were heading. Yeah. High school um, sweetheart? Nope. Nope. I met her at a, um, Sweetheart Swirl. It was a FFA, FHA dance over at Mid Prairie High School. We were from Kyoto. And um, so a good buddy and I went over there and... Um, I went home with a different buddy and it was foggy that night and I followed Shar's brother Kevin and, and I made the corner and Lindsay didn't and so <laughs> so I ran into and ran into Shar at this party and, and and back then it wasn't alcohol parties it was just a good time and and we kind of talked a little bit and one thing led to another and and she stuck with me ever since but so you, you know so we got married in 90 we had Tim in 19... We got married in 1980. We had Tim in 1981. Okay. okay. Things were sliding fast. And she worked at the hospital in Iowa City and, you know, raising Tim and stuff. And then in 1982, we banked, um, this is going to get a little personal, we banked the National Bank of Washington, yep. which a lot of people did. We we banked. Um, we, we walked in our October 5th, 1982, and um, the bank suggested that I find something else to do that they weren't going to loan me any more money. And I had Char's dad along and Char. And, and so, you know, so there's some emotional things that took place at that time. And in your mind, you knew what you wanted to do, you know, cause it was bullshit. It wasn't as bad as what they thought it was type of thing. And so one thing led to another and, and Char and I left and we didn't know, we didn't have a pot to piss in or window to throw it out of, literally. And having zero would have been better. So all that stuff I had from high school was gone. Um, and a debt at 21% interest was lingering there. And it's like there was nothing to be had. And so we went home and made some decisions on how we were going to do whatever. And then Shar's dad um, agreed to help us get started. Uh, you know, on another foot. So, so we started that, but he, in the process of that, he thought maybe I'd ought to maybe not put all my effort into raising pigs and farming and, and, but he would support whatever I'd done. And so, and, and Char's entire family and my entire family. So, so in 1983, we were doing some stuff on the hog side and it was just kept, looked at the, out the window and it just kept getting drier and drier. And we were building a hog building at that time, furrowed a, a furring house. And it's like, what am I gonna do now? This is just gonna get worse. And we'd had sow's bread to go in this furring house. So I went to work for UPS as a driver. And I'd be, I'd, I really need to tell this story because it, it, it honestly, in more ways than one, changed my life. Um, so in 1983, I went to work, I went up to Iowa City, and I said I'm looking for a job, and and Herb Woods was the guy that was behind the the desk, and said, "Yeah, you and everybody else in the country." I said, "Yeah, but I I work hard," and he said, "Yeah, you and everybody else works hard." I said, "No, seriously, I work hard," and so anyway, I left there, and he says, "I'll let you know." And and Lowell Vaught was our UPS guy at that time, and somewhere along the line, Herb Woods actually asked Lowell what I was like, and he said, "This, he he recommended strongly and." So Herb called me like a couple of days later and said, Hey, I could, I could probably use you. You could be, um, it's summer help and I, you could do about anything. So, so I said, I, I'm in and we still had our sows and, and just had built this new farrowing nursery. And, um, so we, we kept farrowing and then on the weekends we would wean pigs and my brothers and. And between my brothers and Shars brothers and everybody, we got the pigs weaned. You know, we get them weaned and wash the barn and put them up. And then Wednesdays, we'd take feeder pigs. Shars dad and my dad would take them over to Cologne and sell them, which was which was awesome. And so, so the first pigs we took out of that barn, August of 1983, brought four dollars a piece. So we're just we're just we've just found the way where you can work your ass off. And go backwards as fast as it could possibly happen. So no matter what we did, it was going backwards, working hard, made no difference at that point in time. But so I can so I stayed I I got on as summer help, but then they kept me on as Christmas help. So that was pretty cool. So when I left UPS so I worked for UPS hard and then the harder you worked, the more they gave you. So I left I kept doing that. And I did that until I was out of debt in 1988, wow. completely out of debt, did never screw anybody out of a dime, paid all my debt back, paid Char's dad back, and we. And Char worked, we met on, a, on the road, she worked at the university hospital, night shift, I'd stop and give her the kids, and then she'd come home and try and sleep, and so that, I mean, you know, started out with, didn't have a pot to piss in, met each other coming and going, the true definition, of meeting yourself, coming and going, yeah. worked. Get up at three o'clock and chore, and go to bed at midnight. Then Shard go to work at you know ten or eleven, and I'd hope Tim would stay asleep and come in <laughs> and sleep for a few hours, and she would sleep for a few hours, and and that's how we got back to to Even. square one. But also for UPS, the thing that I learned, which was which was life changing, I learned how to get along with people. And I learned how if you had a plan, you could get something done. Every day you got into your truck, it was set up, and this was the schedule. And this is, this is where you had to be. I had to be to the, when I delivered in Washington, I had to be to the alley by 915. If you weren't at the alley by 915, you're behind a Pepsi truck for three hours. And so it slowed you down. And same way in Iowa City, if you got behind the, in the wrong alley at the wrong time or you didn't arrive at a university hospital's bookstore by ten fifteen in the morning, they wouldn't take the stuff from you. So then you had to come back. So it made, it made me learn efficiencies and it made me learn how to utilize, uh, you know, people when you walked in, if you were friendly to them and you said, hey, Dwayne, how's it going and start unloading packages. The first few days, they look at you like uh, new guy. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat him like shit, and so and they would. And if you would have cocked an attitude, they'd have continued to treat you like shit forever. But then you thought, Dwayne, how's it going today? You know, and you'd pick a conversation and and say, Hey, you know, if you would just move that, I could I'd be out of your hair twice as fast. The next thing you know, he's stacking the packages and and you know, so you just learn. Organization, number one, work hard and fast, and you actually made money, and it actually worked. So I, I used that till 88, got out of debt, continued to sell pigs, and then started to grow the, I said, I said to Terry, I said, Terry, I'd really, if I died today, I'd be an unhappy man. Because I said, I want to farm, I want to raise pigs. And he said, you need to do what makes you happy. Yep. And so that's what, yeah. Joe and I quit our jobs about the same time and decided to become a family that raised pigs and raised kids on that farm.
1: It this is such a common theme when we talk to people in agriculture yeah. is that do you think there's another industry where people are willing to work one, two, three other jobs so they can afford to farm? People who are in the restaurant
2: business. True,
0: cuz I did that too. Yeah. People who are on a restaurant business, because they got the same thing. If they're not there, yep. and it's a local restaurant, it don't work. Yep. yep, it don't work. So that's that's another industry: veterinarian yep. business, which is farming. Yeah, you know, same way. Yep. I mean, you got to, you know, I got in my my saying at Round Home, and everybody knows it. And you got to show the fuck up. Yep. And, and and if you do that, you know what's going on. Yep. And that's why. The people in agriculture, the people in the restaurant business, and the people that do those type of things are successful because they are marg- low margin businesses and you have to be very, very, very efficient. Yep. And if you're very efficient and very productive, you'll be successful.
2: Yep. And- I just think it's amazing the story with UPS and all that, how you never lost your you never lost your fire to just keep raising pigs. Like nobody could bring you down. Was that just like built into you from a young age or like you were just like this is what I want to do and I'm not stopping no matter what the circumstances dad's dad's friends
0: made me who I am today they didn't know that at the time but they made me who I am today and then I've tried to surround my people myself with people that are like that and and you you can't let the negative naysayers bring you down there there's always a way there, where there's a will, there's a way. There is a way to get things done and accomplished. Now, granted, you, my mistakes are my greatest learning, and my failures are my greatest learning because you learn. And if you don't learn from those, bad on you. But the bigger the mistake, the more you learn, and you don't, and you don't forget. And back to your point of of um, today, where we're headed, you know, where that all started was. Um, you know, this feels a little different than the early 80s yeah. because there's money out here today. Right. And, and that's the salvation. Now, how, how long it's going to take to piss all that money away? I don't know. Right. But there is a lot of money. Yeah. And we didn't have, nobody had money in the 80s. No. Nobody. That's right. Uh, con- construction, farmers, it, it didn't matter. No business. It was, it was just flat-ass broke yeah. country.
1: Well, and I think, I think, your your comment about the interest rate yeah. twenty
2: what was it twenty six percent twenty one we're all
1: complaining oh, because we went from interest is tripled I mean for a yeah. lot of people yeah. you know there was a lot of people got their houses for one point nine two percent yeah. we're at seven now yeah. but we pe we still have there's a whole generation of people that they think this is high interest they have no idea what high interest is yeah and that was part of the why it was so hard to make to keep any money because yeah. if you're doing anything that the margin wasn't thick it was hard to stay ahead if you had any you, well you couldn't have any money borrowed no or you just eat your lunch
0: <clears throat> i mean there yes. was a lot of there was a decent amount of time that money was 16 to 20 yeah. percent not just a month or two it was yeah a couple three years and if you had and and the thing is when you borrow money to to pay interest <laughs> and to pay interest and to pay interest yeah. that was just
2: just digging, uh, yeah. Just digging a hole, pissing it down a rabbit hole. Yeah. So I got a question for you. When you got out of debt, was your relationship? Did you from there on? Did you were like, I'm never going in debt again, or did you? Did your relationship change with debt again as interest got cheaper? Like that would have been for me if I if that would have happened, I would have probably been like, I'm never going in debt again after that. So like, what was your relationship with debt after you got out?
0: So um, my relationship with debt changed. Um, that I had to have a reason to do what I would do before I did it, and so what you know you can you, I just didn't think you could save your way to profit, yeah. you know just go out and just keep knocking it down and and not do something because it cost you money. I looked at I looked at UPS and how they performed when I left UPS and I I was out of debt. I looked at how they performed. And they were very productive and very efficient. And I compared that to the, some of the things that our industry was doing and it wasn't it wasn't as efficient as people thought it was. So I, that's where I put my head, you know, my nose to the grindstone. If I can, if I can do it the over red bucket, do it one thing and do it better than anybody else, you can look at the inefficiencies in the pig pig business at that point in time. And they were horrendous. Yes. And there's some of that going on yet today. And, and so I just thought if I could borrow money and make pigs and make them more efficiently and get away from the outside pigs and the, the feeder banging things that um, just wasted feed and burnt money, yep. I, I just thought that. You could do be it better this time and be yep. really good. Mm-hmm. You know, you set on five gallon buckets at night and pull pigs. And if every sow raised 10 pigs instead of seven pigs, you know, and yep. that was a big thing. And we'll get into production here hopefully a little bit, but yeah. that's the start. And I would like to, con- you know, have conversation more about how efficiencies and production matter,
2: yeah.
1: but keep so going. So you, you really, I you hit the nail on the head. Cause I was, I, one of the questions was about your struggles and contemplating giving up. And we all know that you weren't going to give up, yeah. but you this industry continues to evolve and when you when you had that Farrowing Barn and you were taking pigs to the sale barn, you relying on family. Yep. You had your brothers, you had Shars brothers. But as you started to leverage that and grow that, you had to have employees. Yep. So how was that like how was that transition and going from physically, you are the one out there doing the work. You get to a point where you can't be—you just cannot be everywhere at once. So, how was that transition, and how how difficult was that to move from doing the work to managing managing yeah. people? So um, that that was probably the biggest
0: change of my life happened because Char and I did all the work. Yep. I mean, we power washed it. We, we weaned the pigs, you know, we sat on the bucket. We, we did everything it took to make the pigs. And when, when she had, um, when she had Tim, we were loading pigs three hours before she had Tim. Yep. And when we had, when she had Amy, we were, she was power washing Farron house right before that. Yep. So, so, you know, so that's what we did. And so we worked, you know, we did that and then we, we'd hire somebody. And, um, we had probably in the early, we were probably about 3000 sows. And one morning I, I think we had five or six people to work for us. And so, um, I was probably a little ambitious and probably really kind of hard to work for back about that time in my life. Yep. As I knew everything, you know, I was 30 years old and, yep indestructible and um we always went out and did things and we'd come back in for breakfast about eight o'clock because we let went out at four o'clock in the morning and I managed to piss all five or six of them off I think there were six (laughs) and I managed to piss them all off and they all quit literally all of them wow on the spot but I still had to have something to eat so I went in for breakfast and I walked in the door this this was a bad day and I said (laughs) to Char I said honey, what are we going to do? And she looked at me directly. and said, no, what are you going to do? You're the problem. You made this mess. You're the problem. And I looked, I thought about that and I said, yeah, you're right. I am. And so I talked a couple guys into coming back. You know, sometimes if, 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 yeah, if everybody cools off, I come back. And, and then like about a week later, uh, an Hispanic guy named Hernan, Hernan showed up at the door. And, um, there wasn't a lot of Hispanics back then, but I'm like, you're hired buddy. And so we started building that rapport to yep. build people. And and there is a transition that becomes when you become, I mean, you know, you go from the doer to, to the manager, but it's truly the leader that yep. makes the difference. And, and if I could you know, advise young people, and you know we have FFA kids out, and and Iowa State. You know, I've been on some committees up there. If there's one thing we in in rural America have the greatest opportunity to do is create leaders. Yep. Because leaders are different than managers, and and because you, you got to have the vision to what needs to happen, and and you become a leader, then you can create managers, and then managers. You know, somebody's got to be at that level that makes sure the stuff gets done. Yeah. And so that that, that point in my life was, was horrible, but yet yep. deserving and um, made me better. Yeah. And I still have my moments, trust me. Yep. Just ask one of the kids. <laughs> So,
1: I'll, I'll I, there's so, there's I've so. I probably many... had a
0: couple with you along the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's going to well, go
0: there, isn't he? <laughs>
1: so, I'm going to, I will say, we really did, we really didn't. And part of, I think part of the reason for that is because, so a little bit of backstory. So, I knew of Rob Brenneman, but I didn't know you. We, our paths had never crossed. You know, I went through, I grew up, I imagine that our parents were similar as far as um, our upbringing and work work ethic and all that. And my dad was truly the generation of that. Just put your head down and work and don't screw around and you'll be okay. Exactly. Um, And along that, you know, employees, my dad's, any one of my brothers, if I call them today and they answer the phone and I just go, you know, the best job you can possibly do is not too good for me. The hair will just stand up on the back of their head because that was one of the popular, you know, every job that we did, dad was going to come check on it. And yep. and that was fine when you're dealing with family, not right. so much when you have employees. Exactly. In 2000 is when I started working for a building company that did a lot of work with you. Yep. And I picked up the keys from the former service guy. And that guy I did know, and he had a reputation. He had a reputation of being a real no bullshit, uh, hard ass. Uh, a lot of people were intimidated by him, and I didn't. I I never met him personally, but he gave me a ride. Actually, I gave him a ride back to his place, and we had a few beers, and we were talking about the job. And he told me this is the honest god truth. And I don't know if I ever told you this story. He said to me, he goes, You're gonna be fine. He said, You seems like you can get along with people. He goes, There's only one person that you you really need to watch. And I said, Who's that? And he goes, Rob Brenneman, because he can smell fear. And if he thinks if he thinks you're weak, he's just gonna grind you into the pavement. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> and what's funny about it is it wasn't it wasn't even it probably wasn't even three days after that before I got a pager call that I had to go to Brenneman's for something. I don't know if it was the slap plan or whether it was something. But I, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be good. <laughs> and fortunately, it wasn't anything big, and it went fine, and I gradually got to know you. But um, that that you did have a – there was a time in there that you did have a reputation that yep. you were – I don't think that anybody would ever say that – You were unfair, but you were very, you let everybody know where you stood and what you expected. And what the expectations were. And some people had a hard time with that. But anyway, I always. There's, nobody can ever
0: walk away from me knowing that. Wondering how you feel. wonder how I feel or what I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. It was always clear. Yep.
2: That's a hundred percent right.
0: Always clear. Still is today.
2: Yeah. So how do you... So you were talking about the employees and you know hiring people on, but you still are a family business. Yep. A lot of your family members are still involved in... Everybody. What you, everybody's involved in what you're doing. So like, how do you balance keeping your family happy and involved in the operation, but also having employees that aren't in the family, but still making them happy too? Because sometimes that can kind of butt heads a little bit. Yep. Um, it takes really good people that you put trust
0: and faith in Um, and it's really hard, but you kind of got, it's really hard for me. You got to back up once in a while um, and they need to tell you if you're going over the line and you got to, and I want them to tell me because I will go over the line. And so you, you build those, those people up and, and you learn what works the best, if you can convince them, they need to ask you for help. And, and I don't, um, I'll say, anytime you need help, let me know. And then when you do offer that help up, sometimes you got to be a little less direct. Um, but everybody knows what my expectations are and what, how I'm going to react. They already know before I do. So I don't know if that's good or bad. That the fact that they know how there's no surprises in how I'm going to respond. And by that, they know they know what they want to bring right away or what they want to let cool off. And they let me have time before I, you know, before I totally explode. Yeah. And I've learned. I've learned to chill that just a little bit. And of course, it's been really good the last three years. Char and I bought a house in Florida and they all love that. And it gives me a chance to get away and think and let uh, let people grow their positions and, and be better at what they do. And they don't have, but then I'll come home and upset the apple cart and and everybody knows that's going to happen. It takes a few days to get back in order. But the nice thing about it is, is that they'll come and see us in Florida.
1: When you're so, like you live and breathe yep. Brenham and Pork. Oh, I mean, absolutely. that's your namesake yep. and it is your legacy. Yep. You have so I think one of the most impressive things so we did the intro before you came because it's nice to get that out of the way. Um, and as I was writing that, I was thinking about all the things that you know you can say as far as your accomplishments or things you're involved in. But when I think about my own life, if I manage to keep and we say it on here all the time, if I managed to keep this farm viable for another generation and my children can be involved in it. That will be, to me, that will be greater than all of the stuff or accomplishments or whatever. And I imagine you probably feel the same in that. All that said, though, being that driven and involved, when you decided that you need to transition and step back, how hard was that? And is it, is it still difficult? I imagine it probably still difficult. It's,
0: you know, the, the, I, I'll give credit to technology. If it wasn't for technology, I probably couldn't have stepped back like this. Yeah. And, um, because I still stay in tune, I still work on, try and work on the things and, you know, I do the marketing and stuff with Adam. And, and so I try and stay in tune with what's going on. I got, you know, we've got some tremendous reports that I look at and, you kind of know if you need to get involved, but they'll also come to me, knowing that I can help resolve situations. I, I, I want to be the guy that um, they come to to ask, so that they don't get in too deep. Yep. Because there's no reason to get in too deep, and most of the time that'll happen. And so, so as we, as I, I mean. Shar is kind of demanded that I step back some, <laughs> and and um, there's no sweeter person on the planet. Yep. And and so I have to honor that because there's nobody I love more dearly in the world than her. Yeah. And so so I've had to adjust, but I can tell you, it's a game changer for me. Yeah. And um, when we decided we went to Florida, you know, a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there, but then. Three years ago, of course, right about time COVID hit, I said, honey, we just need to have a place down here where we can just go because yep. it's so much easier just to go whenever you want. You know, it's a direct flight from Cedar Rapids to Punta Gorda. It's, you know, you don't have to get in an airport and mess around. You just go and come back. And, and then that, if anything happens on either end, you're half hour from home. And so that's, that's made it easier. And, but I talk to him every day. Yeah, it's just in a little different tone. Sure, and um, but it's been the best thing for all of us. Yeah, and and when they come, we have fun down there.
1: Yeah, I tell I I told somebody I think I told Claude this uh, that I said, Rob is so mellow. I wish I was still selling stuff because he's almost soft. I think I could really I think I could have really cleaned up because. Whenever I had to try to say something, you were still so tenacious. But I feel like I could get a little, I could probably get a little more. I could get a half a percent out of you now. Probably. <laughs> well, probably. Um, so a lot of people, when you get to the point that you're at and you've got, you've got people in place that can do what you need them to do, a lot of people will be very tempted to step back and say, let's put this thing on cruise control. But you haven't done that. In fact, you, you've kind of stepped on it. So tell us about the project that you just, you're just finishing up right now. And I guess let's, it kind of ties into production because you're, you're changing some things with the, with the building. Give us I, however you want to talk about that, the backstory of how that came to be yep. and why you're doing what you're doing and, and what you're doing.
0: So, um, you know, so when we, we have always bought a lot of wean pigs over the years here and there and back in, um, you know, in 15, 12 years ago, when we built the two farms in Missouri, it's like, um, we were buying pigs, wean pigs. And it's like, we can do this, but we need to get out of Washington County. Right. And uh, because there's too many pigs in Washington County, sows don't work well. And so we built one farm in Missouri and um, got that kind of started. And that was a similar thing where somebody else was going to manage it. And nope. it just didn't quite go the way I thought. And Sarah says, well, I guess you're going to have to move to Missouri for a couple of years. And that's literally what Jeremy and I did. Yeah. And so we got that one going. And the second one it was six months later, we got it going. So we realized how good production could be, um, if you had a clean sow herd and you could make that work. So we, so we, so we did that. And then as, as we're, we're in a County, we're in a County that's just amazing. People want to work and raise pigs Yep. and we've got a lot of young people that want to, I mean, they want to stay on the farm. Yep. And my goal back to your point of being on the farm, I have. My what I have to do, what I feel I have to do is I owe it to the community and the young people in the community to have an opportunity to do what I do in, in my family, but not just my family, but my neighbors and my friends and all that. I want them to have the same opportunity. And I don't know what would have happened if I'd have had these type of opportunities when I was 20 years old. Absolutely. God only knows where we'd be today. So I, you know, so you have a young guy that wants to build a building and raise pigs the con- back to the contract thing. They don't want to own the pigs, which is, I can understand that, and they build a building, and they build another building, and, and it just feeds on itself. I've never asked anybody to build a building for me. Yep. It just feeds on itself, and and so when you start doing that, you say, well, so you buy a weaned pig, maybe you thought was healthy, but it's not, and then one thing leads to another, and you say, I can do better than that. So then we build sows. And as we build those sows, then we get, another young guy that comes in and I want to put two sheds up and yep. I mean, it, it just keeps going and going. And so you buy weaned pigs for a while. Then you realize I can have sows and do better. Yep. So we buy weaned pigs then we put sows in and get rid of some weaned pigs. Then of course, get some more buildings to go up. It just keeps going. And, um, and then this last project, we buy a decent amount of weaned pigs out of Nebraska a lot. Um, and this last project was like, you know, we're, we're going to, our, one of our most productive south farms is in Washington County because we're here and our people are here. And, um, and we, of course are all, we're all filtered and granted we still deal with PERS off and on, but nothing like we did before. And so we thought, how can we raise pigs in Washington County effectively? So 12 years, 13 years ago, we filtered the home farm and that, that's made a big difference. It's still the original virus that's in there. Um, never been depopped and um so it changes you know the virus changes a little bit and so a year ago a little over a year ago when we said we're just going to add some more sows but we're going to do it across the road and so anyway char wasn't like that hopped up on adding sows that's more labor that's more aggravation and jeremy and and Tim and the team convinced her that it's just as much aggravation buying wean pigs. Yep. So so it took a little time. And then in the process of doing that, um, talking to, you know, Thompson, my IBP or Tyson buyer, and yep. guy, I know those guys pretty well. And, and and Jason calls and says, hey, would you be interested in Prop 12? I said, hell no. Yep. You know? And then and he said, well, I hear you're building. I said, yeah, no, no Prop 12 here, buddy. And then... I hung up and I got to thinking about it. I already had the permit. It's like, what could that mean? What could that be? What could that, how could that change my mindset? And what's the future? You know, what is, what is the future of Brenham and Pork? What is the future of the pig business? I mean, granted the fact that it was, it was coming down as if it was going to be shoved down your throat. Right. It kind of backed off and didn't feel shoved down your throat. Well, the consumer wants it, and if the consumer wants it, then why was she? We why should we deny that? Now, granted, Prop 12 was passed by a state. Um, I think we're going to defeat it, but the consumer still wants it, even yep. if we do that. And so that's a little different mentality. If it would have started out that way, it would have been good. So I thought to myself, hmm, So I did some math, did some thinking. How could I do this? And how could I use this to my advantage if there is an advantage to do something different? Because, you know, you kind of get stuck in, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it it just got me exploring and thinking. And that just, that opened the door. Great people at home to manage stuff, take care of stuff. Now, Now I'm the visionary. How do I, I have time to start. Yeah. looking at things differently and Florida helped that. And so I got to thinking and exploring and researching and one thing led to another. So I went and looked at a, at a farm that had ESF system in it. Yep. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then, so I looked at the free access stalls. That's pretty cool. How would, how could we combine all this and maybe get a little bit of a premium to help pay for something? And how could I design this so that it falls apart? I can still, I yeah. just put a few more sows in a pen and life goes on. And so that's what I spent the entire year doing. And in the process of that, a few other things came along, working with a retailer to get some product into Florida and stuff. So that kind of helped. And so, so it's like here we got something, a reason to do it a little different than we're used to. And so, um, and as conversations with Char, nothing, nothing happens unless Char says okay. Yep. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. And and so I got to be a salesman or a good bullshitter and she can pick out a good bullshitter and and so, so doing that did me no good. So I just had to present the facts and how we could do it and why. And also, you know, you got to get your team to buy in. And so as we started the process, it just became intriguing. So in that process, we chose to do everything in Iowa for Prop 12 and convert and also build new. So as we build new, we discovered things we didn't know. It's yep. like, holy crap, this is awesome! And so the technology that goes into that and the thinking—I spent hours and hours and hours designing the, that farm. Yep. And and it's right across the road. It's in Washington County, the heart of Pig County. And everybody's like, "You are crazy," you know? I said, "Maybe, but yep. I I can see it." And plus, I love to build, and and I love to be a part of it. And I know. Steve Frayer thinks I'm a pain in the ass, but... That's all right. Yeah, His skin's thick.
1: <laughs> exactly. Steve, you, you can take it, buddy. I, <laughs> I know you can.
0: But he's, he's been tremendous. I know that he, he... When I got back from Florida, he's like, oh, shit, I was hoping you Here wouldn't go. come back. But yeah, but but he missed me. But anyway, so as, as we've started this process, and you know how it is, it's... This is how we designed it, but it changes because it's new and something else is better, all of a sudden you're like, see this, and you see that. It's like, well, how can we change that? Can we change the gate? Can we change that? And so it's turned out to be the most exciting experience I've had in the pig business, designing awesome. that farm and then seeing it unfold. Yeah. And, and you know, you you watch Aaron on Instagram. If you, should, if you don't, you should yep. because she's touring that farm every day. Yeah. And, you know, there's some cool stuff from how we feed the sows. We run two feed lines and drop, we mix them together. That sow goes in. She gets fed a prescription for her. For her, yep. Exactly. And that goes all the way through. And the gilts are, are you know, all he, you know, there's a better way to do that. And so as we've done this, now, is it going to be a produ- as productive? I'm not 100% sure. Right. I believe in my heart it will be. You know, it is. It's got purrs now, and so we'll get through that, and it's, it's real world.
1: It's no different than a conventional unit in that at the end of the day, the people are what make the difference.
0: It's all about the people. Mm-hmm. It's the people make the difference, and then if the people make the difference, and the pig performs, and if you can keep the pig healthy, or if it gets unhealthy, get it back to health, uh, and, and, it, and it'll reward you. Yeah. And, and so as, as we've developed this, you know, I've had some input but I kind of, I kind of let the team do their stuff because I wanted to just dig and dig, uh, and get into things and talk to people that I've never talked to before, and how can this be a different process? Yeah. And, and so it's a totally different process. Yeah. This, this, it's, I mean, the sow isn't in the crate, but five or six days. Yeah, that's it. Other than farrowing yeah. and. So if it works, which I believe it will, and if, if Prop 12 goes away, we put a few more sows in the pen and life goes on. Yep. But I can tell you right now, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the technology, so, everything's cool. Go ahead, Sawyer. Yeah, so
2: I was just going to say, so right now, this is kind of like, this is the first sow unit you've built that was all Prop 12, yeah. right? Yeah. And if it goes well, are you like, well, should we convert this? Yep. Is this just, just a trial run to see yeah. how it kind of goes? We're going to
0: convert our home farm. Okay. So but that. The both of those are going to be Prop 12. Yep. And then after that, it'll kind of depend on the demand from the packer or the consumer or yep. you know whatever. And, and but I believe I believe we NPPC is going to win their battle. The pork producers are going to win their battle with Prop 12. I think we're going to come out on top. Yeah, I do too. I, I really do.
1: I think so. Just just on the merit of the law, yeah. because I if you apply what has been done to the pork industry, if that law would have been gone in effect. Against about any other industry, I don't think it would have gone this far. No, Do you? Window. No, because I I think the basis of it is uh, wrong. It, yeah. In yeah. you can't totally. regulate uh, yeah. across state lines. Nope. Um, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna get a
2: little snarky here. Well, are you gonna be on the same topic or you... it, this is on the same? Go ahead. But I got some, I, I really want to dive di- deep into this one a little. Well, bit. go
1: ahead because what I want to talk about is the is the the economic side of,
2: of him building it. So if you yeah. want to talk I just to wanted to say, we watched your KCRG, uh, you know, what, I don't know if you, your interview, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate the way you went about that interview. You you didn't say like, this is the way and this is the only way we should do things from here on out. It was like, hey, I this worked in my operation. It was an opportunity I wanted to explore. This isn't for everybody, but we're going to try it out and see. And I was like, That's because I feel like right now it's one of those hot topic issues that you're either on one side or you're on this side, and I I loved how you were kind of like middle of the ground of that, and just that's I think that's how a lot of people are right now. Is is if it works for your operation, go for it, but it's not the end all be all either, you know. And so
0: to your point on that, Sawyer, you know what we have to do as an industry, as an industry, is that we you know. If a guy wants to have 10 sows and raise organic pigs and sell, them, sell one to you and you come out and bring your family out and you butcher that pig and you eat it and you think that's the best thing for you, go for it. I, I have no problem because you are an individual making a decision. And, and I think that as an industry, we got to be careful because if we say, that's not good, and then they, they come right back and say, that's not good, hey, We live in America right now, and I think we all got to remember that this is America. And if you want to have 10 pigs or a million pigs, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Thank God. And and so I'm not going to, anybody that wants to work hard, trust me, I've done that, 10 sows and 10 pigs and in an a-shed and butchered one for the neighbor. I've done that. I won't go back to do it, not because I don't believe it's right. It's because I don't want to do that anymore. And so- so we chose the prop 12 route because there was an opportunity for the family, for the family, for the longevity, right, wrong, or indifferent. It was a choice. We're making the same damn product at the end of the day. And yep. that was my point to the legislature. No matter how you look at it, it's the same product, it's going to taste the same. Yep. It doesn't change anything and it's safe and it's economical and it's healthy. Yep. And so is the other one. Yep. I'm not going to begrudge him, but it, it, it's America. Mm-hmm. And yeah. let, let's, I, I got a statement. It's all for one and one for all,
2: mm-hmm. because yeah,
0: when we start a, criticizing each other and we conquer, divide and conquer, yeah. that's the goal. Prop 12 was the start of that. If we can band together and accept what people do and move on, then let's go, let's go play
1: ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, amen to that. I think that's, I think that's absolutely right because um, at the end of the day, the only way our industry survives is if we all stick together, no matter what our production method is, or no matter what size we are, or anything like that. Yep. Um, for you, my, my snarky comment was, that unit that you built, and I am thrilled that you did it in Washington County, because one of the things that we do on, on this podcast when we don't have a guest and we have time is... We, get, we do the market update. We just do the market update off cat's grain because yep. there's a lot of people that listen that aren't, you know, they're, they don't get that every day and they're curious what the price of this and the price of that is. And one of the comments that we get a lot of time are people that they may have grown up on a farm or their grandpa farmed or whatever, and they're always surprised at how good the basis is in Washington County. <laughs> and I tell yeah. people all the time, we are, this hog industry helps everybody in this county because if you're a grain farmer in Washington County, you have some of the best basis levels because and Pork's buying corn every day of the week. Eichelberger Farms is buying grain every day of the week. Vitito's are buying, all these people are buying, cutting corn, and the goal is to cut corn off from going to the river. Because exactly. Or, before, or Cedar
0: Rapids now.
1: Yeah. Before this, before we had the scale we have today, a lot of corn moved to the river or to Cedar Rapids or whatever. But we are a corn deficit county. Yes. And that's that's bad. that That's kind of hard. That's a hard pill to swallow on your end sometimes yeah. because corn price has been pretty high. But for the producer, it helps everybody. And I, I saw a clip that we did um, with... Who was the who was the guy that we had the clip I was talking about development, the taking Russ walk- Varing. Russ Varing, yeah. Oh Russ, yeah. Yeah, yeah Great he left guy. my place to come here. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And um, I was talking about the economic development within our community. Yep. And I just don't feel like if if the size of the operation that you built over there, if you were building widgets, and you sat that on a vacant lot somewhere around Washington, Iowa. The whole the whole economic boohoos would all be there with a ribbon cutting and the whole nine yards and it would be touted as this great thing that's going to employ all these people and da da da. But when we raise pigs, I feel like sometimes we kind of get the we kind of get shunned and people don't give us the credit that is due because Washington County, Iowa is a, is a unicorn in a yeah. lot of ways. Now there's other counties in the state that have the same kind of pork yep. production that we have, but those are all kind of unicorns because rural America is in big trouble in a lot of areas. And we, what we've done here is really pretty amazing. Right. And whether people like it or not, this, the sad truth is the hog business drives so much so much economic development. People that work for all of us, buying gas, buying shoes, buying groceries, it's QC Supply, it's Animal Health, it's the Hog Slap Plan, it's ACE. Ace it's, it's all of that, that if you took that out, I don't know if any of those would survive, well,
0: well, we pump a million dollars a day into the county. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Between everything we purchase. Yeah. And the majority of it is in the county. Yeah. And, and the majority of our people live in Washington. Almost all of them. Almost all or of them. Or very adjacent. Yeah, yeah. That are other than the people in Missouri. Yeah. And, and you know, in all honesty, Torque, I felt that 15 years ago that, that you know, like that that little attitude. But today, it's like, it's a little different. People really respect and appreciate what you do in the county. And um, we see it in Kelowna and Wellman and Washington and even some in Iowa, quite a bit in Iowa City. People know who you are, and they appreciate it. I mean, today, for example, well, not today, because they're about done on this project till spring, and then we'll be back to do the home farm. But we had 130 people on the site for weeks Yeah, every day of the week. And they went into Kelowna and ate at the Mexican restaurants Yep, and the, and the one in Washington and, and they're staying in this. So for six to nine months, there's been a hundred plus people added to the county that like to spend money and they, yeah. and they go eat and they go have food and they stay somewhere. Yeah. So that's, that's an economy. Absolutely. Now when they all go home, I don't know what the guys are going to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're right. going to have to get rid of some nachos elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but it it feels better today than it did 15 years ago. Yeah, that's it, good. it's more. There's more. Um, of course, it's a little younger, and you get a little less of that animosity from younger. But um, you can see that the younger the younger, gen, and I would consider us a little younger. That's right. And and you a little younger than that. But anyway. There's a little different attitude. There's some respect and appreciation.
1: Yeah. No, that's good.
0: A little more than there was in the past. I agree. <laughs> I could feel that 20 years ago, but a little different today.
2: Do you feel like that's because advocacy is kind of ramping up, telling their story, showing our story, getting involved on social media and stuff like that? Um, what made you want to get involved? I, I know like you talked about your transition and how you've kind of taken a little bit of a step back. But you've kind of ramped up advocacy yourself. You've kind of got more involved in 4-H and going to meetings and going to stuff and telling your story of Brenham and Pork and just promoting the hog industry in general. Uh, just talk a little bit about that and why you think that's so important.
0: Well, I, I can tell you there's there's two events that caused that. Um, I'm an SIP member, and every year we have a meeting in Florida. At NPPC, has a meeting in Florida PAC, PAC, PAC convention about... Ten years, 11 years ago we had we had a panel up there that was you know one of those where you're going to have it was right after the egg deal, whenever that was, whenever the egg producers caved to the to the HSUS it's like you know we got to stand up and tell our story and and then and then I said, you know I said we need to be on the offense and and Guy says no, defense wins championships. We have defense wins championships, but offense scores points. Yeah. And I said, we need to be on the offense. And the guy told me, sit down and shut up. I'm like, no. I said, we need to do the opposite. So at that point in time, I'm like, the gloves are off. Let's go. And, and so so then about, that's when we were building our first Missouri farm. And Joanne, Joanne um, ball from, you no, know, yeah, from Farm Journal Journal at that time, I believe, she just got an award, called and said, hey, I hear you're doing some cool stuff at your farm. It was about, you know, what can we talk about? Like precision farming, you know, we're talking about precision farming, but there was no precision anything in the pork side. It was just do shit and get it done. And so I said, well, we're doing some cool stuff down there and it it seems good, I, I enjoy it. And she said, I want to come and talk to you. And so she came up to the office and Aaron was in, in the office and she, Aaron, Joanne come in and start talking to me and talking about, you know, you're, you're kind of letting people know that this is a good business to be in so on and so forth. So can I get you to be involved in telling what's going on? I said, tell your story. I said, no. I said, she's the one you need to be talking to. Because yep. I said, she knows how to, spread that and then a young person wants to hear it from a young person, not some creepy old farmer guy, you know? And so, so that's kind of those two points at about the same time kind of said, here we go. Let's go. The gloves are off. You know, we, we've always been afraid to talk about what we do. I don't want anybody to know that happened. Right. Right. I don't want anybody to know that happened. It's like, so we put it out there. I mean, Aaron put a little bit more out there than I expected in the beginning, yep. but you know, um, if you've got—I mean, we're probably going to go further with it here in the next. We got that farm's loaded with cameras. Yeah. Um, we might do some live feed. Yeah. Um, if people know what you're doing, how can they come after you? Yeah. There's right? nothing. There's you, nothing. You to see hide. it happening yeah. every day. Let right. Let's do it.
1: Let's i go. think that is i think that is probably the that's one of the biggest misconceptions within our industry that is changing 100 is changing
2: i think it's not just ours it's meat in general but go ahead yeah. meat industry in general just across the there board. has been this there has been this
1: idea that yeah defense just put your head down keep doing what you're doing don't don't make eye contact. Yeah, don't don't and eye. if anybody bitches, just ignore them and it'll yeah. go away. It'll go away. Yeah. And I think we've all figured out that that doesn't happen because it's the death of a thousand cuts. You know, we we try to satisfy somebody, and then if you satisfy, you give this much; they want this much, and. Then, you're, then you have the problem that you have people that are making decisions for your industry that know nothing about yep. your industry, and that's where we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. But um, people, people are curious. We talk about this all the time. The most mundane things that we do in taking care of our animals are the most interesting to people. And when they understand, when you show them why you do something and how you do it and why you do it, People yep. are fine with it.
2: Most yep. people are fine.
1: They with just it. want to know. They just want to know what it takes to get meat on their table. And yep. when you show them, they're okay. And the, and the other side, they don't want. They don't want people to know that because they they run on fear. Yep. They run on fear, and they you know, it's better to keep it hidden. You're feeding into them when you keep everything
2: hidden. But when you just show what you do, tell what you do. Yeah, it's I feel like deal. there's so much upside to showing because it's not only like pr- promoting our industry, promoting our product, but it's also recruiting people to start loving agriculture. Oh, to get in To get into ag that would have never even thought about it. If you show them a video and they go, wow, that looks interesting. You'd be so surprised at how many people we get on across all what we're doing. Hey, we want a job. Can we come work okay. for you? This looks awesome. You know, that stuff... There's so much upside to that. And I also think, kind of back to what you're saying, we live in a a society now where if you don't say anything or show anything, it looks fishy. It looks like you got something to hide. We, we now are in a place where, you know, privacy, like it or not, you got to put some stuff out there or people are going to start to yeah. Think otherwise. And, they want to know why you're not putting yeah. anything out there. And if all all people see when they type pig farming into the search bar is PETA video, PETA, PETA video, PETA video of a horrendous hog barn or hog site that has a caretaker. Probably that, isn't in America. Yeah, probably isn't in America or whatever. Yep. Yep. And that's the first thing they see. Well, what do you think that person's going to think when they think of pig farming? Right. That.
0: And, and you have to get everybody that's involved involved to, to be that, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the family, if, if my family, if our family don't believe in what we're doing, then that's even shame on us. But, you know, every one of our kids is involved from the sports side of things to to dance or whatever, and they share that story. Every, every one of our children are involved in the operation and their spouses. And so, and the grandkids, they want to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if they're involved, that shows, because the true definition of sustainability is that somebody wants to do what you want to do. And, yep. and you just hope and pray that that's your family. Yep. And and it, for me, it's 100% about community and family. And, and so as you get that, you get that buy-in, then you go to the next level. And when, so when, when your daughters or sons are in town or in-laws and they're set stand at the coffee shop and they say, and you got a Brandman pork shirt on or whatever it is, and they say, boy, we appreciate what you do. You better hope that that person that has that shirt on does know what you do. Yes. And, and so if it's your, especially if it's somebody who works for your family, you failed if they don't know what you do. And so we've got to keep our, our own people informed and especially our family. And uh, there's nothing on the planet more important to me than, than our family. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. serious. and, and communities right behind it. Washington County has a true place in my heart that this is I mean, I love Florida, don't get me wrong in the winter, but Washington County. Yep. I you know, I can sit on my patio at home and see that new farm. Yep. Now I don't know if that excites Shark quite as much as it does me. <laughs> and no, it's not just to see what's going on all the yeah. time either. I just it just yeah. amazes me. Yeah. Like, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say I credit you a lot because you are, let's just be honest, one of the few integrators in the state that really s- talks about showing your story and telling your story. Right. I mean, you are on the forefront of that, which I applaud you for because I think,
1: well, that as time more
2: valuable as time goes on, you're going to be right about that. Yeah, I so, believe that.
0: So as you tell your story, so we're 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 going to go there's some cool shit going to happen and this there, there's some stuff that we're working on. that's going to blow your freaking mind. And so, you know, we like, we go to Florida and we go to a place called seed to table. Yeah. Um, our products actually in seed to table and then there's farmer Joe's and, and, uh, there's a guy down there. that's pretty awesome. And he, he makes stuff happen and we're John and Kevin and I are standing at the meat counter a year ago down at, down at Seed to Table, and this guy walks up, you know, all dressed up, Naples all the way, you know, yeah. and she looks at the meat counter and says, hey, the meat guy behind the counter, and I want uh, nor, no grass-fed beef? And the guy says, no grass-fed beef, no. Um, she said, what about the hormones? The guy says, no hormones since 1982. She says, I'll take two at forty nine ninety nine a pound. He told somebody's story. Yep. Now, you want and your that your guys' be, ears went... Yep. You want your story told. Yep. And, and you know, we've got an incredible story. And as an industry, we've been sitting on it. Yep. Literally sitting on it. Because we've got the story. It's just that we're too shy. And we're too... I mean, we're just not proud enough of what we do. Because it's... I mean, the production we've created... Over the last twenty years this is incredible.
1: Yeah, and we we didn't really get into this today, um, but we've talked about it before. And we were talking with Russ, our industry, the efficiency that we have that we have taken from the seventies today, as far as how much water it takes, how much power it takes, and I tell people this all the time, and people are amazed. The cycle. On our little farm, of we grow the corn, we mill the corn into feed, we feed it to the pigs, we put the manure on the ground, we grow the next crop of corn. Yep. That's a pretty. What industry's got that? Yep. Yep. And we don't get near enough credit for it, but nope. we don't tell that story enough no, either. No.
0: So, Aaron, we we had the University of Iowa chef down two or three years ago. You know all anybody that cooked for a frat or whatever it was. There was like thirty people in the room, um, and so Aaron, Aaron and I, Aaron, I did some Rob math and gave it to Aaron, and Aaron made this cool little video called "Shit Matters" or something yep. like that. And I need to get it to you. It, it's worth watching, but it's it's Rob math, but it's facts. Yep. And and so anyway, we said if and it, it dances around, and you put manure on, you do this, and if you took organic if you took GMO corn away and you went back to the way you produced pigs in 1976 and you did whatever and wasted whatever, it would take another 424 Iowa cities to produce enough corn for the pigs fed in Iowa. I can't remember what it was, but think of that. And in 1976, we were still importing pork into this country. And so when I took the production I had then, and the production I have now—I mean, we were fifteen pigs per sow. And now we're thirty-five or thirty-six. And you look at the production yep. and the capabilities on the same on that's that many more pigs on the same amount of water and the same amount of feed here. Yep. Now, granted, there's more over here, but that's a five to one conversion to two and a half one conversion. Yeah. So all that stuff adds up, and then so when you put it into perspective and in economics, and and so we you know we'll use thirteen million bushel corn a year. And going on 14. So you take that, that's 70,000 acres of corn, roughly. Yep. We produce enough manure to go on 70,000 acres. Yep.
1: And it's a hell of a lot better and quality it's or- fertilizer. Yeah, it's, it's organic.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, yeah, it builds humus. It builds organic yeah. matter. I mean, I spent yesterday I um, had a couple of gals that stopped in from Colorado State doing a research project on Washington County. You know, all yep. the cover crops, all the organic matter to the is built and all the young people in the county yep. i mean there's a few other counties like that but this, this is a rare community it's pretty
1: special
2: and we all get along yep i mean we all get along yep yeah i think it's i think what surprises me and surprises most farmers just i think sometimes people that have no perspective of how productive our food system is they just don't get like we had to have this happen in this country for us to be able to thrive and evolve as much as we have. If everybody was still had 10 pigs out in the pasture and were raising food for their family, we would have not evolved as a human species the way we have because the number one thing we got to have is food. And when that's taken care of, then you can start thinking about technology and advancements and all that. But, I think people really overlook that fact.
1: Of you can't build the future on an empty stomach. Nope. It's as simple as that. Nope. You just can't. Nope. And they really
2: overlook how productive we've gotten. And we just got to do a better job letting them know yeah. why and how and why it's a good thing that we are so productive.
0: And so as as, as we've told our story and as Aaron's, you know, we the Pork Board had, had um, you know, people that have come out, bloggers and stuff. And. We had 26 people in our farm about four or five years ago, and they were all food bloggers from Los Angeles. One was the Los Angeles cheerleader to New York City to Louisiana to Arizona, all over the United States. And we took them through the farm, and, and that's not the first group, but Aaron has them pull pigs and had them breed some sows and and get that. And none of them had ever been on a farm. I got asked at NPIC right after we talked about that, why aren't you worried about disease? I said, these people have Never been on a farm. Yeah, right. Let alone a pig farm. Never been on a farm. And by the way, between all these food bloggers, they have 36 million followers. Yeah. So how do you think they're going to portray this story when they said, when their comments were, God, we thought it was going to look a lot worse than this. We didn't yeah. know it. We didn't know you did this. Clean, bright, safe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you pull pigs, you save pigs, you wipe them off. You know, you wipe them off and put them under and plug them into a nipple and you and warm, dry and full of milk is is yeah. the motto. You you yeah. do all that, and, and we said yeah, every day, twenty four seven. We have a twenty four hour cruise every yeah. day. That's what we do. And they're like, that's pretty cool.
2: That's yeah. care. They're going to tell your story. Yeah. You yep. don't even
0: have to tell it. Yeah. yeah, they will. Yeah, and who has more credibility than a than a dietitian that happens to be a female that has kids and. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had that opportunity. We've got to continue to grow that opportunity. And if, if, if two, three years ago, whenever that was, when we were in Washington, Iowa, went into Walmart, no meat, Fairway, no meat, Hy-Vee, no meat, and there's, you know, two million pigs raised in this county, and there's two packing plants within 30 miles. If that didn't make you think I didn't pull my head out of my ass, then, then you need to think twice because yep. that, that was as close as it could get. Washington yep. County, Iowa. No meat to be purchased. Yep. Think of that. It is insane. Enough, have we raised enough to feed 3 million people.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: There's no meat. I mean, granted, we could have went out and butchered one, but right. that wouldn't have been the thought that day. Right. You know, same way when the guys were down in Missouri and Mexico. They went to Walmart.
2: No meat. It, it, it was just crazy times. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, Do you want to talk about that room. a little bit COVID I, and how that all played out and kind of what you were your thoughts on that. Like, well, I think,
0: I think at the end of the day, COVID was not a good, I'm not going to say a good thing. COVID helped us be better. Help. It helped us for a lot of things. First of all, it made you appreciate your people more because you know, you kind of get busy and you get, you know, well, then people get sick. And I mean, on the Missouri farms, it's seven people on each farm. They normally have 35 for two weeks. So you knew you knew what you had to do, and you got it done. Yep. And that's what we did. We never missed a beat. And so you appreciate the people when they come to work. Um, but you also appreciate the consumer and the people that buy your product and show up and haul your product because everybody was under scrutiny. Oh, 100%. Um, everybody, from the packing plants. I mean, it. it just think, I think what it, you realize is, you couldn't get by without the truck driver because how are you going to feed your pigs? You couldn't get by without the caregiver. Who's going to take care of all this stuff? Cause it certainly can't be me anymore. And you can't get by without the consumer because if the don't, you know, the grocery store, I mean, it's all a circle yeah. and we're in the food business. And if one of those links goes right. down, we're all screwed. The I mean, you want come this off country, to, you know how close the country was to, literally derailing with the railroad thing. Yep. Derailing. hundred percent. You take that in transportation in any fashion. Our, Our truck drivers could bring the world to a screeching halt in three days. Yeah. Three days. Our caregivers could bring our world to a screeching halt in three days. Yeah. So we have, you know, people got sick and still did their job. We thank God we're in a, in, you know, we're rural America and we have the guts or the Fortitude to get out of bed, no matter what's going on, and get stuff done. That that is what we have. That I hope we don't. got nobody ever takes away. I hope to God nobody ever takes away because we've got that ability in rural America. Yeah, and that we can get up and get shit done. Our, you know, in this, we're we're just a phenomenal group of yep of people in agriculture. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: there's no better. But, better but that place was to be. an awakening. Mm-hmm. It,
0: it made you think that you. Whoever thought that you wouldn't be able to take pigs to market? Think of that. Yep. Uh, Okay. We're, of course, we were the unfortunate ones. Tyson first plant to close. Yep. You know, uh, uh, we won't be able to take any pigs on Monday. Well, oh, call back. We won't be able to take any pigs on Friday. Okay. What do we do? Yeah. What do we do? So we got it. You know, we... Figured out how to improvise, yep. Because it was like over a week before we could sell a pig.
2: And I don't think most people that, you know, most people don't realize that you guys are constantly weaning pigs, selling pigs, filling barns, emptying barns. And when that all just shuts stops, you can't
1: just. It's not. You're not making a widget where you just throw the switch and you tell everybody you can go
2: home. You're li- you you're raising live animals and I think a lot of people from the outside just really didn't understand that a lot of people in government didn't understand that this is just like right it was a you're dealing with a live animal and you're dealing with a small pig a big pig immediate you know it it was all over across the board and uh five thousand
0: pigs a day in our operation had to be moved three times yep one is a wiener one is a feeder pig and one is a Finishing pig. Yep. Every day of the week has to be moved. Wow. And when that first one doesn't move, there's no room for the second one. Yep. And the third one. Yep. So now you got to get creative.
1: And there's – the next day there's more pigs that are going to be fair. There's, there's, you're not stopping them. You can't stop yep. the back end. Yep. Or you can't stop the front end. Yep. And if the back end stops, it's hell in half a minute.
0: And that's where – it comes down to the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a phenomenal group of people from from the supervisors to the managers to the caregivers. I mean, our business without caregivers is nothing. Yep. Nothing because somebody's got to show up every day, every day, and take care of every pig because yep. they don't feed themselves all day. They, yep. I mean, they they got to have feed to feed or you got to make sure the water's in the water. And so that's an everyday event. So without a tremendous support staff of caregivers and a packing plant that takes the pigs and people that truck them, I mean, we are nothing by ourselves. 0 Your your history. Yep. History.
2: Takes a team. It does. Absolutely. It's over. I think this is a question that this was like the question I wanted to ask for this podcast for you, when you came on that dad and I both are excited about. And I think it's just a good, this will be a good, just question for all of us to answer a little bit, but how do you think we can sell 10% more pork in the world, but maybe just even in this country, how, what can we do as an industry to sell 10% more pork? So there's,
0: there's things we can do. Um, first of all, the average consumption has been the same for about 30 years, Yep. But it has picked up some over COVID because people know they can cook. But I, I think as, as pork in general, first of all, we gotta make a quality product. And, and we had to accept the fact that we probably needed to change our genetics a little bit yep. because there is a difference, seriously. Yep. And I will, I will admit, today the pork, I'm telling you, I can buy as good a pork in Florida as I can in Washington County yep. because of the distribution centers we have, and people are demanding quality. And I, you know, we can trust me. I love my ribeyes, and I love my hamburger. Don't get me wrong. Yep. I also love my pork burgers, and my pork chops, and my pork butts because there's yep. more fat in them. Yep. And 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 we have to, in order to sell more product, first of all, we got to get the dietitians, the nutritionists, and the doctors to believe what's right and what's wrong. Yep. And and that's a hard sell, but. You know, I've been on the carnivore diet for about three years now, lost 80 pounds, and all I eat is meat, and bacon is one of my top go-to products. When I get a craving for something that <laughs> used to be sugar, I just eat bacon. Yep. Char makes a pound of bacon every day of the week. Yep. And and so I think to get it's that— the perfect food. It is. It is. <laughs> it is, 100%. Yep. So, so, you know, as listeners to your podcast, go follow some good doctors. You know, Dr. Ken Berry— um, I mean, you get into that and you listen to what he has. It used to be keto, but now he's more carnivore. You can't eat too much meat. That's all been sold. So if we can get to get the public to believe in meat and, and believe in fat again, and of course fat automatically makes it taste better. Yep. So what makes it, I mean, to eat the chewable dry ass pork loin or beef ribeye, you aren't going to eat it. Right. But if you can get dive into good ground pork with fat in it and, and hamburger with fat, I'm gonna promote hamburger too. And and the pork loins with actual intramuscular fat in them, yep. that's a different beast. Number one, we just came from Florida last week at our at one of our major meetings. Number one, it has to taste good. Yep. People don't like stuff that doesn't taste good. So if you can get it taste good, which we are better than we've been, yep. we're better than we've ever been on the quality side of things. So get the quality. And then get the doctors to buy in. And then we have to continue to tell our story. Because we have to believe. We have to believe in what we do. Because I've had producers ask me, say, how'd you lose all that weight? I said, I eat bacon all the time. Well, I'd do that if it was healthy. I'm like, what do you mean if it's healthy? If you as a producer don't believe it's healthy, then you got a problem. Because I can assure you. It's the healthiest thing you can eat. And there are people who will back that up. Yep. So the medical community, the dietitians and nutritionists, we've got to get buy-in. So that's where our pork board has to come in to help to help do that, to help sell that and understand that and get a different mindset. And it is changing. Yes. And in social media helps with that yes as long as you get on the right social media page right. <laughs> <laughs> right and if you do that and and you get the right people then you believe it and then once you experience it you feel better because I feel better than I have for 30 years yeah. and so you got to you got to do that buy-in tastes good and of course it's got to be reasonably priced and and we're there on that part of it yep. so that's a win and we got they, they got to trust us mm-hmm. and we got to we gotta to continue to convince the consumer that what we do is right. And if they believe in us, and they see what we do and how we do it, they will follow. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you look good, and they look good, and everybody's doing the right thing, I mean, you, if you don't accept the fact that animals have to die to eat, then, then you're always gonna have a problem with it, so be it. But, right. but Trent Luce makes a good comment. Everything lives, everything dies, death with a purpose, gives new meaning to life. Yep. Every one of us is going to disappear. Yep. What did we leave behind? Yep. And the animal takes care of us and we take care of them. And, and that's that theory, we have to start it, though. Yep. Get involved in your pork, pork board organizations, local pork. You know, I'm on the National Pork Producers Council. That's the social license to operate. We fight every day for that. And, and and I got involved because I felt it was my time and my turn and, and you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Even as growers, you can make a difference. You know, you say pay the fee as producers and as growers, everybody needs to pay the fee and participate. The door is wide open because it's incredible industry. Yeah. And agriculture itself is an incredible Mm -hmm. industry. We I was just, just, like, like just going to say, we, we
2: don't need to say anything else. We, <laughs> we just let you hit that out
0: of the park there, Rob. So. And, and all we got to <laughs> do is make pork ribeyes that take, like, to touch the moon. Yeah, oh, yeah. increase it tomorrow morning by exactly. 100%. 100%. Well, it
1: goes, that goes, I'll, I will say that, in that taste is everything. Taste is everything. And in this day and age, it's just, it's always amazing to me when i go to a um when i go to a convention or a public deal where foods cooked i i always cringe a little bit when it's going to be pork loin on a large scale cuz you're like boy i wonder if this guy knows how to cook a pork loin and i will say it's better it's better. getting better but every once in a while you go to a big gathering for some meeting and that pork loin is dry. And we had, and, and I will
0: confess, I've I've hammered that for a long time. And last week, in, in a convention setting, and the meals we had in Florida, every meal I had that involved pork, whether it was pulled pork, I had some amazing pulled pork, some amazing ribs. I can tell you, we wouldn't have had that five years ago. Right. And I think that's coming from the pork board, the 140- You know, I think, still think 140 is a little too far for me. Yep. But the pork chops have all been good. But every meal that I had was good. Yep. But all I eat is meat. And then I always take bacon to meeting as a backup. Yep. Char makes bacon, put it in a Ziploc bag. And I go to meeting and it's all pasta or all that type of shit. I'll grab out my bacon. Everybody makes fun of me and then they ask for some.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) They do. Absolutely. Yep.
0: So we're better. So if we just win those little games. Yep. And, you know, they've got the, you know, I spoke in Cedar Falls at a PFG meeting and they actually cooked our product. And I went back and said, how the chef told me, I said, how did you make that? Because I said, that was amazing. So he took me back. They put it in that, they sear it, put it in that oven. He said, if if you want it 140 degrees, I can keep that for two days. But then I put it out into a a roaster and they screw it up. So if you can go straight from here. And I can't believe we can't invent a roaster that does the same thing. Right. Because that's where your convention food yep, turns that's where bad it fails. is in the roaster. Because they fails. can do it in the back room. Yep. So
2: we're better. We didn't have that technology five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's coming. I would say that I think people, it's all it's all coming together because I think where everybody's trying to tell their, everyone's starting to kind of tell their story a little bit more. Uh, dietitians, doctors, we're changing the genetics, which is great. I think that was the. That's a big step. Overdue. overdue. Long overdue, yeah. Long overdue. Yeah. Um, but also, I think just there's more content out there about recipes. Yep. And, and like, showing, showing, people showing people how to, how to cook pork. Because pork's not an easy thing to make all the time. And right. I think having a bunch of people online that are showing you how to make it and make it right, that's that's out there more than ever before. So I think pork, when people do it right, and we all know this because we do we know how to cook pork, when you do it right, it's phenomenal, yep. and I think there's more and more people showing how to actually cook it right, which is and, good.
0: And it doesn't have to go through a smoker or right. a cooker. And it don't have to be on a barbecue grill. Right. We had pork chops um, in Florida. with We had four of us, at the, you know, eight of us at the table, and everybody said, how did you do that? And I said, first of all, we started off with a good product. It's Duroc-based. It yep. was out of one of ours you know in in the restaurant or in the place down there and we i seared it and we put it in the oven got it to 130 took it out and let it set for 5 minutes and it's phenomenal and that anybody can do that you don't have to be a grill hound to make pork taste good right you really don't I, that's good product don't mm-hmm. get me wrong i'm not trashing it but you can do both mm-hmm. with our product today you couldn't have done that 10 years ago no could not have done it Mm-mm. We've got the product today.
2: The one thing that pisses me off, and I'm not bagging on any other pig farmers or anything like that because we talked about that, but when people come at what we do and raise pigs in hog barns and they tell us that our product doesn't taste as good as somebody's pasture raised, that might have been the case back 10 years ago, might like you're saying. Yeah. But we are switching, and I cannot wait for the day where there is no difference in the amount of marbling, in the amount of fat, and the amount, the the flavor is the same because because they like to tell you, and I'm not bagging. I appreciate anybody that's a hog farmer, but they like to tell you it's the grass that it's the it's the bugs that they eat, it's the walnuts that they're eating, it's the stuff that they're rooting up that makes that tor- that pork taste good. But we all know it's the genetics. Yep. Yeah. It's the and, genetics.
0: And if somebody believes that and buys that product, great. But they're not going to feed. Exactly. Right, they're the not, world, gonna, right, they're right, not, not feeding the world with that product. They aren't going to feed I, 300 million people with that product. But that's great. Great place to start. Yeah. And, and I know there's people that don't believe we need to feed the world, but we do. I'm sorry. Yes. I was raised, farmer blood's in me. Yep. I get up every day. How can I be better? Knowing that I have the responsibility for all the people that work for me, the community I live in, and the industry I represent. And by the way, I want to make sure that you have a happy life too. Yeah. And I want you to choose my product because it's better than what you had before. Mm-hmm. That's that's what drives majority of our industry. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think if you if people if you really want to think on a world the world over, it really is our responsibility because if you want to be the best steward of the resources and I'm not a climate alarmist, but yep. if you want to be the best steward of the resources, there is, no, there is no cheaper, more efficient, better transportation availability place in the world to raise a pound of pork than America in general, but Southeast Iowa, Iowa, 100%. You yep. can raise a pound of pork the most efficiently, cheapest... And get it anywhere in the world in the most efficient way. Yep. In Iowa. Yep. And so, yes, when we say we want to feed the world, we do because it is the it is the best for the world using the least amount of resources. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's
0: and best for choo-choo. everybody. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and we know how to raise pigs. Yeah. Yep. And we know how to grow corn.
1: Yeah. Okay. One thing I because you you're you're where we are and. I I think that there are people waking up to this, but you are a lot further down this, this hole than I thought that you might be. Brand, as you look forward, as you look out, what's the value of Brenneman Pork? Now, I, and I'm not saying like monetary value, but you, you guys have 100% realized that People want to know where their food comes from, and people don't care about that label that is JBS or Smithfield or Tyson or whatever. Um, But they care a lot about the people that actually make their product, and what's in the going forward. What do you think the value of Brenham and pork is? So. You know, getting
0: out and about in, in Florida, once again, has is, is helped me a lot. Um, but so going to Seed to Table and some of those stores down there. Well, our product is going through PFG right now. Yeah. And it's going under Allegiance Pork and West Creek Pork. And so that's distributed throughout the United States and actually starting to get distributed outside the country. And that's cooperation with Tyson. Yep. Tyson brought that to the table, and yep. they're trying to get, you know, that relationship with the consumer yep. knowing that they can go back. And if they buy that product, that that product came from that farm. Yep. Now that's going to be hard for every farmer to do. I get it. Yep. And, um, and sometimes on the cutting edge, you're on the bleeding edge, you know? Yep. And so there's some, there's some learning curve, but um, I think that, you know, so our, our brand wouldn't be out there, but we would be known as the people that supply that product. And so when you have that conversation with the average Joe in wherever, pick the town or the city on Marco Island, for example, and you get to know people and say, you would talk about pork and they say, how do how do I buy your pork? How many people? Yep. How do how do we? I we you know, um yeah, but how do we buy your pork? Yeah. I said well,
1: hundred percent.
0: You go to Walmart. There's a chance you get it there. There's a yep. real good chance. Yeah. Um and now I can say you go to seed the table. And there's a pretty good chance you're gonna well you're gonna get it there, and there's a pretty good chance you could get it at a Fresh Market yeah. under Chairman's Reserve. There's a chance. Yeah. And next thing you know, I bought those Fresh yep. Market Chairman's Reserve ribs. Those are the best ribs I've ever had. Yep. Were they, or did they just have the ability to know that might have right, came from you and you were responsible? And I believe in you. Yes. And I believe in you. They they have a tough time believing in Big Ag. And big corporations, they really do. That—that's the consumer, you yeah. know. Like, ah, uh, there's something else, or for God's sakes, big pharma. Yeah, you know, who the hell going to believe in them? Right. Maybe someday they'll save me, and maybe someday they won't. Yeah. I hope they don't have to, but whatever happens.
1: At but, the end of the day, that personal connection or it's that, that ability,
2: personal
0: connection. Yep. It's, the, yep. Yep. All they had to do was believe or know that it came from a real farm yep. and a real person did it. It wasn't a machine and it wasn't in BFE. It was right here. Mm -hmm. You know, you're local. Mm -hmm. I mean, local uh, definition of local to the University of Iowa is somewhere in in the state of Iowa. Yes, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, what if you could be 15 minutes from there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so those connections need to be had. But in order to do that, they want your story. So we're going to go as far as they're going to put a QR code on the package. When you walk up to the meat case and you put your QR reader on there, it's going to show somebody processing pigs at and Port. Yep. Now, if somebody doesn't like you, that might not be good, but they probably don't buy your stuff
2: anyway. You're 100% so who the hell can't cares? please them pe- those people anyway. So. Because
0: we have to sell what we
2: do today.
0: Yep. Unlike grandpa and dad, shit happened, they did it, and got by with it. But we have to, we're in a different world. Yep. And, and, and your generation is going to keep us honest. Mm-hmm going you gonna keep get us it. Honest.
2: You get it. That's that is what I respect the most about you. You get it. Yep. That is totally what's going to happen. And if you keep going that way, Brennan Pork is going to be a household name, and I believe yep. it, hundred percent. Because and, and that is exactly where it's going. You know it. But without the quality, it doesn't yep. matter. That's right. You gotta no, have. You, the gotta quality. You, you, gotta gotta yeah, you gotta execute. You gotta execute. You gotta execute. And that
0: and. You know, I had a good friend who told me, one, he sent some guys down to see how we do things, and he has got a of, he had a large operation, and he said, you know, that's great. We'll come down and learn, but now we have to execute. We have to execute, and that's the same way with us. When I go learn something, if it's worth executing, you might not always be worth executing, but I got to execute. In order to execute, I got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got to be a leader. I'm no longer... You know, I, I can be a visionary and a leader, and then i got to have somebody that ties us together. Yep. And that's where the family falls in. The family, when you can go to family, it's a different connection. And then what you want is your whole your whole segment of people to become a family. And they can say what they want to say. There's one thing I'll guarantee you. If anybody's, I don't care if it's good, bad, or indifferent. If you got a problem with Rob Brenneman, you come tell him, and he's going to get over it. I promise you. He doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't give a shit. If you have something to say about me, you come tell me in person. I might be pissed for a minute, but I'm going to have more respect than if I hear it behind my back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah. and because I, you know, and I, I always say what's on my mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I expect somebody to do the same here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're we're at an hour and forty five minutes. This, Holy has been, shit. This, this has been this has been an awesome awesome episode. I think there's a lot of value in this one, but I think I, like, I it, Torque Whistler could bullshit for an hour
0: and a half, <laughs> I, and I have, I've and talked he, about his he's little. Been, he's been relatively quiet. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I don't have anything to sell. I'm just trying to learn. Yeah, uh, I guess we're gonna get close to wrapping it up. But one thing I know you and your wife Shar are. Thick and thick and thin, you've been through it. Been through so much yes. together, and your bond is amazing. Your marriage is amazing. Uh, not only just uh, husband and wife, but business partners too. How? What is your advice to people to try have a successful marriage and a business partner all in one? So,
0: you're a full time salesman. You know that they have to believe. You have to believe in each other. And you have to be able to say what's on your mind and take it, and, and respect it. And that goes both ways, um, because if if she tells me something, um, she's always right, no matter how you look at it. And and it 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 just takes it. You got to believe in each other, and you got to have that faith. and And you got to know that you're gonna you're gonna have moments. Okay. Trust me, there are moments. There are always moments, and you got to think and work through those. And you, you know, you say you don't always go to, you don't ever want to go to bed mad, but sometimes it happens, but you got to correct it at some point in time. And if you messed up, which I trust me, I do. And then I got to think about it and I'm going to like, where the hell did I fuck up at? And, and, and I got to go fix it. I I really do. Um, and you got to learn to bite it and say, you're sorry and know that you were wrong. And it's the same way with the kids, the family. I mean, it's the same way with your friends. It doesn't matter. If you, if you, if you screw up, you got to face it and move on. Um, and, and like in the, in the family situation, I always tell Char, we're the parents. We are the parents. If we want to make the family work, we're the ones that are in charge. We are the leaders of that. And if we want that to work, then we got to be the ones to step up and take the bullets and make sure that whatever happens, we've done our best to rectify it or make it be right.
2: Mm-hmm. That, Set I the mean, example.
0: It's a lot of give and take, mm-hmm. um, and it, you got to accept the fact you're not always right.
2: Mm-hmm. That was and good. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yep, absolutely. I don't think any of us are. You got anything? You got any last questions? I where's how do
1: people how do people learn more about Brennan Pork?
0: Oh, the, we've got a website. Um, you know, go to our website. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Yep. Um, and I know Aaron, this new farm. Sal on Inst- Mama. Yep, on Instagram, Sal Mama. Um, and on she does a little bit of Snapchat, but not as much. But Instagram's where, yep. y- if you watch, it's cool. Go to Instagram and watch what she does on that new farm. Yeah. she's she's bought in and she's she's shown some stuff and it's awesome. And and I'm on Twitter and I share a lot of stuff and um, because there's a lot of stuff out there. I share a lot of stuff on the nutrition side and on the cool stuff that's happening. And I share a lot of stuff that the pork council and the pork board are doing because once again, pay the fee. Get involved. Yeah. You know, I believe in that. Get involved. Your voice will be heard whether you're a grower, whether you're an employee or whether you're a caregiver and owner get involved, pay the fee, help us do better and help us um, celebrate our wins. And let's get
2: more of them. Let's sell 10% more pork. And let's sell 10% more pork. We will link all of the social media that you can follow Rob and follow Aaron on and the website. We'll have that all in the link in the description, or we'll have it in the show notes if you're listening. I think that's going to be I think that's going to be it. This was an awesome episode. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of it because I sure did. Uh, You know what to do. Pay the fee. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple, and we'll see you guys back here again for another episode next week. Thanks, Rob, for coming on.
0: No, thank you guys for asking. I really appreciate it.